Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that hopes to be a little bit more exciting than the game at the weekend was. This weekend on Heart and Hand, where's Pena? This season we've teamed up with Ladbrokes and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Our first is bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another £20 to your account. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bet.ibroxrocks.com. That's bet.ibroxrocks.com. We'll be tweeting this bet £5, get £20 link, adding it on our Facebook and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. So, welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week, uh, and it makes me very excited as it always does, by the, the Livingston Lothario, Mr Cameron James Bell. David, David, what's going on? How are you, my little friend? I am fine, Cameron. Uh, we may struggle here, though, to fill an adequate sufficiency of time based on the match that we watched this Saturday. Uh, I, I must admit I'm struggling, so at some point... It's going to be... It's going to be about as sexy as a tour of a cheese factory, and not a good cheese factory. Yeah, no, not a helmet cheese factory, just a, a traditional one. Uh, no, I, if at any point I start telling a really long joke, go with me, or if I ask you to burst into song, go, you'll go for it. Don't, don't hold back, because we we may need to kind of just, you know, fart and tell Benny Hill jokes for the last ten minutes. Yeah, my mother-in-law, let me tell you about that. Yes, yes, if we go down that route, that that would be ideal. Uh, I'll practice a fake laugh and everything. But, uh, yeah, Saturday Cameron, uh, put everything into context, started off. It wasn't a very nice day at Ibrox. Um, It was humid, it was pissing with rain. Uh, uh, That really, that's the the, the me out of excuses. Hearts came and played a 4-5-1, which went to a 5-5-0 very often. Your boy Kyle Lafferty spent quite a fair bit of of time as a sort of auxiliary fullback, but that's entirely within their rights. And I'm not one to blame the opposition for not allowing a team to play nice football and beat them easily. I think that... That's going to be something we will face at Ibrox this season, and it's up to us to find a way to beat that. 
and that's the end of the podcast so <laughs> listen thanks very much uh, it's been great and we'll talk to you again this time next week no um, it was it's it's it, it, what teams will do when they come to to Ibrox I mean with the exception of of Celtic everyone will come and try and dig in and hit us in the counter um, I, I don't really think that was a surprise I think you're also talking about Hearts in a situation where Daly clearly wants to get that job full time so therefore getting anything from the game would have been a, a, a bonus and a bit more of a kind of feather in his cap um, we lacked the creativity to be able to try and, and, and break down those those two banks of five as you mentioned um, we had very little in terms of, of original ideas um, I know that a lot of people had assumed that when Cranchar came on, because a lot of people were, were hoping for him to come on and unlock that, that he would. He was shite. Um, and, and he kind of fitted in well with the majority of the players who I think uh, just seemed to... I, I think I, I don't really get too much of a sense from them that there was a, a, a concerted effort to be able to try and really break down quite a, quite a solid defence. Well, I'll, I'll disagree with you slightly there, Cammy, because, and I said this on Saturday, although a few people disagreed with me and took your side on it, that I actually couldn't fault the effort. I thought that the team struggled manfully, but were just absolutely devoid of creativity. Um, I thought in the second half in particular, the ball was never in our half. I mean, they, they kept getting it and going again and being rebuffed and getting it and going again and being rebuffed, and that was the pattern. What concerned me was the ease with which Hearts did so. And I think that you, you touched upon something really important there. John Daly, uh, who's you know taken temporary charge of the team, had absolutely set them up to ideally play on the counter. However, uh, it was to defend first. And if they could play on the counter, great. And if not, they would, they would keep the clean sheet at all costs. And pretty clear, apart from one long-range shot in the first half that hit the bar, they couldn't really get anything going on the counter. They they just they weren't up to it on the day. And to be fair to them, they, he recognised that and went, right, OK, doesn't look like we're going to be able to score. For fuck's sake, don't concede. And that was when you got, as I say, the two banks of five. And they were difficult to break down. They fought, they ran about, you know, they, they blocked space. It became... A bit of a quagmire, uh, you know, with a and not in a giggity fashion, but it became very much a, a kind of we had the ball and we would run into this wall and they would send it back and we would tidy it up and start again. But although the, there was the effort there, there was absolutely no spark of invention, and I can't really think of any particular part of the field where you thought a goal might come from there. Put it like this: our best player on the day was Ryan Jack by a mile. I think yeah, and and I think that from from the perspective of effort, I suppose just to clarify some of that, I thought that some players um, their touches were horrendous, and actually very very poor in terms of their professionalism to try and put some of that behind them and just go on with it. Miller is the 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 clearest example of that for me at the moment. Miller is a man lost. Um, seems undroppable at the moment in terms of where he kind of sits. I'm sure we'll come on to opinion in a minute in terms of what our other options are and, and, and you know what he was doing in terms of his substitutions, etc. 
but there's no for me there's no plan B and I think if if I had to clarify the effort in one way it would be Hearts played well for a draw better than we played well for a win yeah and, and I think that that's that's where um, for me if that shot that rattled off the crossbar goes in I, I think we would have been lucky to get a point because if we'd seen the same thing we just we just weren't going to score a goal and I think that had Hearts taken a lead exactly as you've just said there they would have sat in even further than they probably already did if that was if that was going to be possible. Yeah, I think you know for the first forty minutes they had a little bit of ambition, and then Rangers sort of asserted complete control in midfield rather than you know just having ninety percent of it. And at that point, I think Hearts went, "We play for a draw here," and and they got it. And that you're fair play to them. I'm not going to criticise this. It's frustrating to watch. It's annoying. You could argue that Hearts. Or maybe one of the teams you would think, maybe along with Hibs and Aberdeen, that, that perhaps wouldn't try to do that. But given the circumstances they're in currently, I, I get it. And given the fact that you know they've got a manager in there who's, who's on a temporary basis and he knows he's, he's not getting it, he's just doing it to hold the four, then avoid getting beat, avoid getting a right hammering, I think, is the... Uh, is the outcome because Rangers played some really nice stuff in the opening 20 minutes of the last week I would like to say before we go any further that very much in the interest of fairness because uh, just you know, to anyone listening who heard the last podcast this result was nothing to do with the referee this is all on us uh, just so in case you think that, that we pick out the referee every week no, uh, we don't believe there's a, a massive conspiracy to do us in Wally Colton was perfectly fair got I thought 90% of the, the things right but even the ones he got wrong uh, you could tell that they were just human error so please, no, none of that, it wasn't that um, you, you touched on something I really do want to talk about though the Miller issue now I think Kenny Miller still has a part to play at Ibrox Uh uh, I'm not a fan of Kenny Miller for reasons that we've said over and over on this podcast. I don't know actually if any of the podders are what you would call fans, and maybe it's because we're dinosaurs, and you know that we can't look past the fact that he he wore that uh, evil sacrament. But he's still a guy though that I can admire what he brings to the team uh, and have done, especially in this spell. And I think he does have a part to play. However. Saturday was the worst of Kenny Miller where he's meant to be playing as a striker it's a 4-4-2, very basic system everybody's position is very clearly defined and anyone who has you know, played school football up knows that formation as he grows increasingly frustrated and this happened early, this happened after noticeably after about 20 minutes he comes deeper and deeper and deeper and then almost like a school kid just starts running after the ball and he brings defenders in to already crowded areas. Several times in the first half, he completely ran straight into where Wallace and Windass were trying to get something going. Second half, he was the same, just running in, bringing in defenders, closing down space on a day that there wasn't much space, and forcing us to kind of start again, and then he'd go running where the ball had gone. And it became a very noticeable problem to the point where I think round me certainly in the main stand and from what I told other people were saying right we'll take Miller off get another striker on get Hardy on or whatever but of course when the substitutions come Miller's not one of them and it was the same in the Hibs game when rather than take him off and put a midfielder on to play midfield Kenny Miller gets pulled back does he have 
why, first of all, is he in that position, that, that, that very enviable position that he seems to play regardless? And why has the manager not felt the need to tell him we can't have this tactical and discipline from you. It's it's Wayne Rooney at Manchester United the last couple of seasons, you know, where he would be running about everywhere just after where the ball had been and not sticking to one place. And, and tactically, it really hurt us. And it also meant that Morelos was up against two, I think, decent centre-halves for the SPFL, but also two decent centre-halves who were playing well on his own. And he, he fought the good fight, but he could have done with a hand. Um, there's a, there was a segment of play on Saturday which, uh, for me, entirely encapsulates Kenny Miller. And I don't know if you remember it, David, but it um, involved a, a, a kind of back and forth between Windass and Wallace. Windass held the ball, Wallace ran forward, Windass chipped it over to him. Mm-hmm. First Wallace half, yeah, cut, it back, cut it back for Miller. It was in the first half, cut it back for Miller. And uh, Hearts were able to come in and get the block in. If that chance falls to Chris Boyd, that's a goal, and I would I could stake everything in the world on it. If it falls to Kenny Miller, I don't even know if he make contact. That's exactly what he did, and that for me is exactly as to why I think a lot of the, the the Rangers support feel as if they can't, to a certain extent, trust what Kenny Miller is going to do. And now, Kenny Miller has scored exceptional goals for us. I mean, very, very good, even technically gifted goals for us. The problem you've got is that right now, he is so entrenched in how badly he is playing. He has no confidence, which is bizarre because he's already scored this season in the league. But in actual fact, he looks like as if he's gone on a 20-game streak with no goals. And actually, what he should have done with that opportunity that I've just called out is bury that bastard and actually just fire it straight. And it doesn't matter even if he get hit in the aftermath of it or whatever. Put himself first and rifle that ball. Um, fucking don't Kenny Miller probably would have went off target, but still, do you know what I mean? At least make a decent connection with it. My thoughts on this, because I've had the same conversations you've had about Miller's constant running the team, is... Uh, I know that we did all hear some of the jungle drums around where or not Kachinia had had a little bit of an uprising in the dressing room pre-season. And Miller's name was attached to some of that. And I, I don't know if it was true or not. All right? no, no, but no, do you know it, what? It was the rumour in though. It was. Yeah. So so there was there was some smoke around it. I think the thing that's a bigger problem with this is that see, whenever you, you hear from any of the Rangers players, whenever they talk about Kenny Miller, he is held in very, very high esteem. And at the moment to now, I don't know if he's undroppable because theoretically, if he starts to vent his frustration, he takes some of the dressing room with him. And unfortunately, I don't believe Kachinia has solidified his position well enough to be able to overcome that hurdle. Now, I'm not saying that might sound a bit like as if, you know, scaremongering and in actual fact it's like, you know, Paul Le Guin slash Barry Ferguson Mark II. I'm not suggesting that. But Kenny Miller is very, very well thought of amongst certainly at least the Scots in the, in the Rangers team. And I think a lot of the players who have, have been playing with them more recently have actually started to to, uh, to build good relationships with them. Um the Rooney comparison is absolutely bang on the money. I, I think I'd kind of said that before, where 
it just feels as if like Rooney is dropping further and further back to try and get involved in the play because anything that happens in the final third positionally he's AWOL and then therefore the chances don't get converted and as we spoke about in the last 18 months in the pod we are not short in presenting chances to our strikers our conversion rate is horrendous but actually the, the opportunities do come um, right now I don't believe Kenny Miller should be in that first team however I am very concerned about the reaction if he does get dropped and that's a pretty ridiculous place to be in Another concern is that with Herrera had picked up a knock on Saturday so uh, or on Friday apparently after, after the press conference before the match so that's why he wasn't in the 18 so fair enough put that to one side our next option is Ryan Hardy Apparently, um, which you know, obviously, I think we can safely say then that the manager does not rate at all Joe Dodo. Um, but Ryan Hardy, you know, who, who did come on and you know had a kind of half chance and um, tried to get involved. So I'm not having a go at Ryan Hardy here. He, you know, he has scored goals in his loans and stuff. But it is a concern that one injury knocks us down to that level of player. And with Wagcon having gone. And apparently turned into Marco Van Basten since he's gone to Ipswich. But with uh, Waghorn having gone, we are light there, Cammy. Um, I'm not even going to say are we light there. I think it just it became so obvious that with one injury and one player off form, we were really really struggling in that area to have options. Well, the que- the question for that now is, and listen, you're completely right, and and I think that. Even when I was last on the pod, we spoke around where our positions uh, we were vulnerable. And I think we agreed. Centre mid is not one of them. No, but no. we seem to be concerned about that. Um, and we are at full back. But I, I, we've come back to this again and again that we are relying too much on Kenny Miller. And actually, he has been able to score goals and qualm some of those fears. However, now he's actually... Kenny Miller, sometimes is a, there's a there's a bit where you think actually the guy's an empty shirt. See, sometimes, see when you play football, there's actually guys who can be worse than an empty shirt because see if he's in the park, you, you think he's an option. And in actual fact, he's not because he's playing so badly. He's a distraction. It would actually be far better if he just wasn't there whatsoever and you could get someone else in who could actually do the graft and the work. Um, there's a part of me that almost wants to try and make that someone who's a proven goal scorer in Scotland because we don't need to worry about Europe for another year. So actually being able to try and, and get a proven goal scorer um, who can provide a bit of a physical battle, because I think you're right, I think Morellas can do well, but he's he's crafty and he's nippy and he wants to be able to try and, and make those runs and be, you know, his brain's very his brain's very quick and he can see some of that stuff. He, he carved out some decent opportunities, especially on Saturday as well, where... You could see him actually thinking one step ahead. If we can get someone in there who can take some of that workload off him and make his job easier, then in actual fact, that's a that's a that's a big win for us. Um, Kenny Miller, right now, and the way he's playing, is not that answer. And um, I think we need to. I think that needs to be our priority in terms of who we bring in next. If we can get someone in before the close of the transfer window. Uh, and, and as I say, I'm, I'm not somebody who thinks Kenny Miller should should be jettisoned you know I do think he has a part to play from it I would say that it's mainly off the bench but if he's starting it's for 60 minutes uh, I, I would say that should be pretty clear and it's, it, 
Saturday it was one of those performances where I think you're right I think he knows it's not clicking for him so he tries too hard and as you say he ends up you know being more of a hindrance than a help uh, in an attacking sense the player there the, the identical player there that you just mentioned would someone like Lewis Moe fit that bill at an affordable level I mean obviously we'd love to go out and spend 5-6 mil it's not going to happen but for somebody who's available from what we hear and has scored goals in this division who as you say has the physical attributes to play is that the type of player maybe that is specifically who you mean but is that that the type of signing that you'd be advocating well right now I'm a big advocate of anyone who's willing to come in and provide a bit of what the professionals call nasty bastardness (laughs) where Actually, it's someone who comes in and can be a bit ruthless. Now, Mo, obviously, we've been the primary beneficiaries of what I felt at the time was a bit of immaturity when he was trying to defend the corner and conceded a penalty. So there's, I'm not saying... I don't think anyone is saying that he's the, you know, the, 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 the finished article. But there is a point to that where, actually, yes, I think Mo would, would potentially prove to be a good addition if we felt we were in for a bit of dig and a bit of battle. And... I mean, we said at the top of the top of the podcast, Davey, that actually Hearts come in with a game plan to um, to frustrate us and to stifle us slightly. Sometimes when you've seen teams do that, and it's it's, it's actually quite interesting watching it down south when you see some of the big boys having to to come up against that. Sometimes what you actually see is players kind of getting set in about each other to try and ruffle a few feathers and unnerve them a wee bit and stuff, and actually you know baiting them almost into being able to try and, and make stupid tackles or go down to 10 men or whatever. And I think actually Molt could be that player who could maybe come in and I give somebody a little bit of a kind of hard time and push them about a wee bit and all that kind of stuff. I don't think he would be bullied um, in terms of if he was playing in front, you know, in front of a Rangers midfield. I don't think he would be bullied in, in bigger games for us. Um, but, you know, as we've seen, he, he is prone to errors. He's prone to silly decision-making. Um one of the things that was interesting would be as to whether or not if it's still an option, would Rangers fans now actually take Stephen Naismith to replace Kenny Miller? I think they would in a heartbeat. I think they would as well. And I think I, I think it's interesting where you see people who are absolutely dead against Naismith coming back for their own reasons, and, and I respect that, but we are now five points adrift to Celtic and Aberdeen. And as a part of it, it wonders if we had Stephen Naismith in at the start of the season, would that still be the same the same situation? And actually, I'm starting to think as if not, wouldn't I think he probably could have popped up with a goal on Saturday. Well, I think that if we did take Stephen Naismith back, it's fine so long as there's certain conditions made. Obviously, there'd have to be a full apology. Every time he came on the pitch, it would be a, a, under a black hood and he'd have to keep his head down until the match began. Um, when he scored... Um, he would, in an act of penitence, have to run round the stadium and shake hands with everyone in the front row of the, of the stadium. And uh, on his shirt for the first season, at least, up until he scored, say, 20 goals, he would have to have Rat Judas Bastard uh, instead of his name. Or Trialist. Yes, I and the guys. Yeah, trialist. Goal scored by yes. him. I, uh, that, that, that would work. Um, the more issue, I think, is, is an interesting one because... Another team who have nine points at the moment currently are St Johnston, who single-handedly have been <laughs> have got them through Michael O'Halloran. Right? Um, and 
Waghorn and of course Gardner have gone down south and have both gone off like a rocket. As when people have been complaining to me, as I've said, uh, let's see how they're doing in a few months. But the quite the old cliche about but these, the, 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 these 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 teams that they're now playing in are not teams who um, are playing against opposition that purposely set in to stifle them. Ipswich and St Johnston are playing against teams who are looking to come out and actually get something. So not in Forest. And so it's interesting to me when you hear that comparison and we go back to the Thompson podcast we actually say, well, when you play against Rangers it's your cup final. Yeah. So you're not automatically in these other teams playing against opposition who don't have that mentality. Of course they're trying to win, of course they're trying to win. It's a competitive sport, of course they are. But they're also not playing against two banks of, of five, as you say. And these players are now getting the freedom to be able to try and express some of that. Another thing is as well, O'Halloran, and it, it blows me to say this because of his background, but actually can be a decent player when he wants to be. He didn't come to Rangers by winning a fucking raffle. Do you know what I mean? He does have talent, but the problem is he's now getting a better opportunity to express that talent where he is. I think it's it, the old cliche about the shirt's too heavy. What that refers to... <laughs> I actually saw a guy, uh, by the way, at the weekend on Mark's website who took that literally, who <laughs> actually said, our shirt weighs the same as anybody else's. <laughs> you know, it, what what kind of design issue are you talking about? I thought, for fuck's sake. But um, the, what that refers to is, of course, the expectation level of playing in front of 50... Michael Halloran won't have played in front of 50,000 people this season so far. You don't have the grumbles from the stand that you have constantly. You don't have the the, the pressure to deliver. And the other thing, and you know, not in Forest, two European Cup, big club, Ipswich Town, won a European trophy, big enough club. But they're not the be-all and end-all as Rangers are in Scotland, where it's, you know, you turn on the news and we're there, you pick up a paper, it's all about us, you turn on a radio, it's all... this. Everywhere you go, people know who you are. This suffocating, all-encompassing pressure that's always on you. And it takes a special kind of player to be able to cope with that. And obviously O'Halloran couldn't. Uh, Gardner, I, th- I think maybe probably wasn't used correctly. I think he, he could have been a serviceable enough player for us without being a star. But Waghorn was just shit out of confidence. That was the thing that Waghorn struggled with. I think we all saw bits of Martin Waghorn that we thought, I like that about him. But by the end up, he was a caricature of a football player because he had, he was completely short of confidence. Um, the more suggestion had guys like him, that's probably the biggest risk in it. You don't know. There's no way of knowing if he comes in and he's a Michael Halloran. But what if he comes in and he's a Ryan Jack, who, as I say on Saturday, put in, I thought, another flawless performance. He was absolutely... The, the ball, as I say, did not come into our half in the second half, and that's because every time Hearts cleared it, he picked it up. Every time a Hearts player came out with it, he took it off them. And he's obviously a guy who has the right mentality to, to be able to play for us. So with any signing from... Scotland from the SPFL at that level you will have guys coming in who you can't tell I mean you can't tell you, and until they experience it there's no way of knowing so unfortunately when people say well what if this happens with him I can't offer any proof that it won't but other players come in and they take to it and they love it, they revel in it. And as I say, it appears at the moment that Jack's going to be one of those players. Uh, I thought he had a, a terrific match on Saturday. I think, yeah, 
so th- th- there's there's definitely some some element of consideration in there about whether or not you pull the trigger and make that purchase. The thing that you could have mentioned earlier on, right, and I suppose this maybe something we're going to talk about in a wee bit as well is actually what you're talking about there is if you were to buy Lewis Malt to come in, what you're doing is you're buying someone who you know can play in Scotland. Okay, so whether he can play at the level we need him to is a different question. But it's also someone who's relatively domesticated. So theoretically, if we had a change in management personnel, for example, in the in the near future, actually that is someone who is probably less of a risk than a foreign import who, and we've already got this situation, is relatively untested. So there's a degree of reliability which I think comes into play there as well. So it's not a complete upheaval. It's not a complete change of location. Actually, it's it's teams and grounds he's played at before. So, you know, maybe that from a risk assessment perspective moves it back into the into the green column. You know. Now, one of the things I, I spoke to a Jambo um, who knows who knows quite a bit about football, and uh, you know, after putting aside the 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 kind of reasonable happiness he had at the result. A uh, couple of things he said. He said, what the hell's happened to Lee Wallace? Um, he, he said he, he's just completely lost the ability to deliver a ball. And it was one of those games where Lee had, had got into it. We actually, that that's one of the frustrating things. We did get behind them. You know, it wasn't like we never, ever got behind them and got to touchline. But the balls that were getting delivered were, you know, hitting the first defender constantly. The other point he made... Is isn't it a worry for you guys? And I didn't really have an answer for this. He said that a manager who isn't a manager yet, who in fact is barely even a coach, who hasn't been doing it that long, figured out exactly what you were going to do and was able to stop it because John Daly, who as you know, you know John Daly, Emerald RSC, uh, we always liked on this pod. But John Daly said afterwards, he goes, the thing with Rangers is they're very good. Uh, they use the fullbacks and the wide players, and they get in lots of crosses. So what you have to be able to do is, you know, deal with the crosses, make sure you're picking up the men in the middle. And he said he wasn't that concerned about trying to stop the crosses because they're not always the quality that they need to be. I, I can't help but feel that's a very, very salient point, and I I agree. I think that surely has to be a concern. Um, I would make an even bolder statement of that and say, on everything that we've seen so far this season, Bruno Alves can cross a ball better than Lee Wallace. Yeah, I don't think that's he, that controversial. Because he, yeah, because he, because he has, and actually he, he's done it in quite a few occasions. It's not been as one-offs. No. Um, that there is, there is no excuse, in my opinion, for a professional footballer to be unable to cross a ball with a good degree of accuracy. Whether he has to amend it, play it short, play it near, play it far, play it long, play it quickly, play it well, the ball's moving, etc. All of these things should absolutely be within a professional player's locker, irrespective. Aside from the goalkeeper, of what position he plays in, and I don't, I don't think Wallace is. I, I, I think Wallace is uh, very much lost in terms of some of the stuff that he's doing. I, I, I pointed out previously. Um, I'm, I'm not sold on how his working relationship is with Alves being there from the captaincy perspective. Um, 
However, when we've talked about players who should be dropped in performance, actually for me, Lee Wallace is, is getting close to the top of that list now alongside Miller. I, I can't disagree. Um, I think that again, and, and I think I, to... I think the thing I think the thing is that what you need to and I, I, that, that sounds really harsh, right? And I'm not meaning it to sound as if actually I'm glad that he's not playing well because I've always wanted to throw him under the bus. I just feel as if there's a point here where if he's been given that armband, there's a certain point as well where captains make players and players make the captaincy, and actually. You'd almost hope that if Wallace wasn't quite ready for it, he would grow into it. And it feels a little bit to me like as if he's, he's starting to shrink away from it slightly. Um, I know that he, 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 pre-injury last season, actually, I know that he was starting to rile up a lot of players and he was starting to get to that. And whether or not it's because of the injury he had last season or whether it's because of him getting back into you know into regular, consistent week-to-week football or whatever else is going on, I, I just I don't see it from him as passionately as I used to. And and that actually is really upsetting because I, I think that the guy is a really genuine, honest player. Um, but I'm just I'm not seeing where he is making a really proactive contribution at the moment. I think he's again just you know, anecdotally from speaking to people uh, at, at the game, speaking to other fans online, speaking to to all the users. And I think that's quite a desperate bunch. You know, you've got uh, guys who are incredibly reactionary, <coughs> Scott, and uh, more considered views as well, and. He's the last guy any of them want to throw under the bus. He is absolutely the last guy that anyone wants to see dropped or, or you know, not in the team. But equally, as you said, he's at the top of most people's lists. Now, Lee Hodson had become a better player by not playing, if that makes sense. That People always say, well, we'll give Hodson a go. Hodson's come in at the start of the season on a couple of occasions and been horrendous. I mean, really, really bad. So we don't have... The idea that we have cover... Lee Hodson is, at best, cover. He's, if someone is injured, he, he goes into the side. And we don't have anyone else at right back. And we have Beerman, who's got potential but far from the finished article on the left and is not going to unseat he's also at the level of cover at the moment he's he's not going to unseat Wallace so that's that's an area that we have to look at on the other point Cammy, what are your thoughts about a rookie manager being able to so easily stifle what we wanted to do I don't I mean yeah it, it's I don't think it's brain surgery if I'm perfectly honest I think um, it, it's a good recipe when you're talking about how to be able to try and get an Ibrox crowd on top of the home team is to be frustrating, be nippy, be pernickety. Um, again, just start to um, be very, very pragmatic in terms of your approach to play. Uh, and then if you can hit the counter, then you can do all that. That's fair enough. Um, I think Daly has got a team that's playing this at the right time. Because I don't, we're not on the crest of a wave in terms of confidence, um, and so he 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 had a good. It was probably quite coincidental timing when he was able to come and come and do that. But listen, see, at the end of the day, the guy set out to get a draw. He got a draw. That's that's you know, I mean, mission accomplished for him. I mean, anything else other than that was going to be, or anything else above that would have been a bonus. So I don't, I don't think he's at a Mourinho level of tactical masterclass just yet. And he certainly won't get the Hearts job. 
Um, but I think, like I say, he has been able just to come with a relatively straightforward game plan, which means if you stop crosses coming in, then you'll be able to, to force Rangers down a plan B, which for probably a good year and a half we've not really had. Now, just as a brief aside, before we start talking about the Rangers uh, managerial situation, I'll, I'll just uh, sort of go slightly off topic for a moment to discuss uh, a, a rather wonderful piece of news from um, Hearts search for a manager where Billy Davis ruled himself out after an interview because he said the structure of the club uh, isn't geared to success by which he meant Craig Levine as the, the sort of technical director and the influence he has over a coach and for those of you on this pod who have heard us discuss Billy Davis over the year uh, and how mental he is Apart from you know the the fact that he's made an Eiffel Tower with Tommy Sheridan, uh, he went into a job interview and told the guy interviewing him that he should be fired. <laughs> now, to me, that is like you know the, the DSS sends you for an interview when you're on the dole and you're a Ramsey but style waster and you don't actually want the job. So you go in and you say, uh, you, say you know, well, what's your worst attribute? I'm really lazy. Um, you, you, you know, have you, have you had any problems in the work? Aye, but she was a whore. She was asking for it. You know, that, that kind of answer and you don't get the job. So I want to know, if Billy Davis is claiming job seekers allowance, I want to know whether or not they are getting in touch with arts and getting the feedback because you... You don't walk into a job, and if someone says, "So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of the structure here?" It's pish. You need fired, and I need total control. Got to love him. I mean, the guy is insane. What I really, what I really enjoy about that was, it's not a new setup. It's not as if it's, it's just been unveiled, and Davis didn't know about this before he went into it. No. So before he applied, there's there's a certain amount of gallus where. You're actually just walking into a job interview going, your setup's all of shit and I don't want the job. Yeah. Catches later on. I'm telling you, you some, I mean? I'm telling you, he was in signing on and somebody for the Pilton DSS was going through and they're here, um, garbage collector and he's, Davis will only do that because, you know, he talks to himself in the third person. Harps manager, oh, ah, okay, you know, you sound good for it, I'll put you forward for it. And that's what's happened and he just hasn't wanted the job. Now, back to, to Rangers managerial um, woes. Now, Something that came up at the game and has been mentioned is Carlos Pena. Was our biggest signing at, I believe, I've seen figures quoted from 2.6 million to 3.5, but, but a fair chunk of change for us. And he's now fit enough, apparently, to, to make the bench, but when we're chasing a game and desperately need a goal, he isn't brought on. Should this guy be fit enough to play after three months? I mean, should we start to be worried about this? But it's not new because we had the same issue with Crancher. So, Crancher, and I've said this before, I've said it in this pod, I've said it in social media, Crancher got injured because of the fact he was not fit. And actually, Pena now seems to be in exactly the same situation where he's come in um, we've, we've spent money which is exceptional to our budget on him and if he's not fit why why are we doing that? Because actually we potentially could have got two players for the price of one given how much that we've, we've, we've spent on him. 
Um, it kind of comes back to what you said beforehand about the expectations, about the kind of almost the demand placed on you as an Rangers player. And the worst thing about this is, and again, this is going to sound quite xenophobic, and I don't mean it to, but it's going to it's going to come as a shock to him if once he's fit, once he gets into a team, if he doesn't get off the flyer, how quickly, you know, as I say, he'll be assessed on how well he's played. He won't get a bed in period. He won't get a lot of that as well. Because, David, we're, we're two games away from a crisis at the moment. And I don't. I think. I think that's. Uh, I think that's generous. I think we're one. I think, and and we're we're four weeks away from playing Celtic for the first time this season. So God alone knows what that will bring. So in actual fact, uh, I just think it's bizarre that we've spent this level of, uh, of of much needed budget on a player who can't immediately step in for us when we need him to. I think that's a fair point. I think that. Everybody had to hit the ground running, and to a degree, the ones who are in the team have. Doran's had a poor game, but that that can happen. But you know, Alves, Cardoso, they've all come in and they've all been sort of good to go. Well, well, right, well here's here's a question then, right? Because I know we're going to talk about manager, right? So here's a question: What's your what's your confidence level or belief that Coutinho has actually said that to the team, to everyone? We need to hit the ground running. We need to start the season off with a bang, blah blah blah. And let let's let's. Even if you want to do pre or post the neither con result, actually thinking about where does he then put that emphasis on his players that you need to do well here because I've been given a budget which I asked for, I've overhauled the team, I've got rid of people, and yet where is the response? I think he'd be you know crazy not to have done that because he's got to know his popularity level among the Rangers support isn't huge. Let's probably let's just cut right to the basic fact about Pedro Cachinha, right? The Rangers support hadn't heard of him, didn't particularly want him, and he hasn't impressed us since. He's done nothing to indicate that our initial thoughts when we heard his name have been incorrect. Now, with Pena, players need time to settle. Absolutely, and you you can't really expect to see maybe the best of them for six months or whatever. But he has been here three months, and the fact that he can't get in the team and can't get on when we're desperately trying to get a goal at home is a massive concern to me because the amount of money spent. And I'm not I'm not going to get into the rumours um, about you know he's off field sort of social life because I don't know if they're true. We've all heard the whispers. They may be true, they may not be. It'll come out in the wash. But I think it's a concern that the manager felt he couldn't put him on or he shouldn't put him on on Saturday. That that worries me. That It really does because if it had been me and I've spent £3.5 million on a dynamic midfielder in a game where we're really, really struggling to get any dynamism, that's exactly the type of player... I'd be looking for so when Doran's went off, he he would be the guy, the guy coming on. Pedro's comments were mocked after the game, where he said, "Well, teams are starting to feed us," and I actually understood what he meant. And it was what he was saying is last season teams weren't coming here and you know playing two banks of five because they knew they could attack us and get something. And and he's right, I get that. However. I worry that it, he's got to the stage where everything he's saying now 
is being picked apart and laughed at. And not only is it being laughed at by fans of opposition clubs, it's being it's it's angering Rangers fans. And when it gets to that stage, then it becomes very difficult to pull it back in any form of life. I remember Gordon Brown was the Prime Minister and he went from being, you know, the Iron Chancellor and well respected figure to a complete joke and everything he did was was met with howls of derision. And I sensed on Saturday, and again, you know, because of the show I try and talk to, to as many people around you know, obviously you talk to the guys around about you, but I talk to other people and uh, around the ground and over the years I, I know a lot of Rangers fans obviously, so chatting away to them before and after the game. I don't sense a desire for him to be fired, but every one of them thinks that it's inevitable that he will be and soon. That is a kind of strange situation and that people aren't going, get rid of him. People are going, ah, he'll be gone within. And they all... And I just wonder if in, in all of our hearts of hearts do we all think he's not making it past that old firm game. Well, I think it's it's been the case where the, the people I've spoken to, <laughs> they've fallen into two camps. He'll be gone after Halloween or he'll be gone before it. <laughs> and I think that actually there's a sense of it where we it, it's kind of like the Warburton um, appointment, but without the crest of a wave that when he came in and there was a feel-good factor that, that was able to generate. We, we haven't had that with Pedro. And I think it's... <sighs> There's, there's two things here. The first thing is, he's fighting two wars right now, and they are wars. The first thing is, and, and this kind of to connect into your point, David, as well, is that there's a PR war which, um, through no fault of his own, Kachinya is neck deep in. And he was neck deep in it as soon as he was appointed because of our ongoing challenges with the press in this country. Um, what that means for him is that when he makes a statement... He has people lined up, either journals, pundits, former players, etc., willing to basically have a go at him. Chris Commons, I think, was the most recent one um, when Coutinho said he's got you know the best squad in the country, or whatever. And and even with stuff like that, now which which I, I I should, think, before you before you go on, which we should clarify, Coutinho has explained several times what he's meant by that, and they've ignored it several times and just continued to mock it as a headline. But I don't think, yeah, exactly. Which but supports think, your like, point. <laughs> which supports your point. Yeah, but 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 throw a stone and you'll hit a football manager who basically thinks um, that his team is the best team. Will say so publicly because they'll never come out and say, no, actually, I think my team's a lot of shite and uh, they've been really really poor. And to be honest with you, I can't be fucked talk to any of them. No, no, no football manager does that. So obviously he's towing what is effectively the kind of common line, and yet. There is a lineup of people who are quite happy to have a pop arm about it, and this is where I think we need to play a bit smarter and not tougher in terms of how we actually handle that that PR war, because I think to a certain extent, Coutinho inherited it. Um, he is easy. Um, I won't debase myself by then saying, well, actually, there's a pinata comparison because of the fact that anything he says is met with derision because. People just, you know, you could say the sky is blue and people would disagree with him. I mean, it's, 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 that's just where we are at the moment. The second thing that he's having an issue with, and this is where I think it grates in most Rangers fans, for me personally, 
I think Rangers played at their best across all of the Rangers teams that I've ever seen where there was an element of fear from the players who put in an underperformance and they were about to go back into the dressing room. Now, whether that came from the manager himself directly or his assistant manager, actually, you know, those players should know through no uncertain terms how poor they have been. And I don't get the sense that our current management set up are capable of doing that. And I use the phrase quite a bit on Saturday when we were talking about it, and, and, and it's, it's, it's true across however many games that Coutinho has been in charge, we have no killer instinct. We have no real sense of purposeful battle. We can't get into it when we need to get into it. And sometimes we've seen that Rangers team getting bullied off the park, getting shoved about, getting pushed about. But actually, there's just some real lack of passion. There's like a lifelessness around it, which for me, you know, absolutely berates the piss out of me. Because in actual fact, I'd love to see a Rangers team that goes out and battles and scraps and wins no matter what, because in actual fact we can go to that level if we have to. I don't believe that that we're even doing that with our own players. So how can we expect the players to, to do it against the opposition? And I know that that's a bit, can Jock Wallace, Battle Fever, etc. But there is a point here as well where we're so tame. Guys like John Daly can set up against this and it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, we're timid, um, and, and anything with that first syllable isn't something we want to be. Uh, we we struggle, as you say, uh, we we struggle once a game gets bogged down, and it happened against Motherwell. Uh, the Hibs match is a total, you know, it's an absolute freak of a match, and it, it has to be taken out. And I think everybody's trying. I think everybody is trying to just look at things, but. Every time that there's something good, i.e. you know, Motherwell and Fermlin, it comes after a neither corner, you know, then comes a Hibs and then we're already at a stage we're going into every game where when we are previewing it on this show we're going to say, Well, it's a must win, you know, it's a must win. And you can say that for for every Rangers game, but we, we do understand it. But it's getting to that stage where the manager to the support is almost on a game by game basis and I don't know. I just think that when Rangers fans have made your, made their mind up about you, I don't know if there's any coming back from it. The only thing that can get them back is results, and results aren't coming yet. We there's a, there's an element to it where so the momentum point is a good one, but there's an element to it where so if you look at our next five games, all right. So Ross County, Dundee, Thistle twice, then we've got the Animals, and the problem you've got with that is. See, previously, we could almost use those games in our up to the Celtic game to to build some momentum to say we need to take a run of results into it and we'll use them as a as a you know stepping stone into the next game, into the next game to build up that momentum and then really get some positive energy and challenge and fucking grit into the Celtic game, going at them and all that kind of stuff. And now we're sitting saying, well, of the league games involved within that that group. What, what's an acceptable number? Five? Six points? Who knows? And actually, like that, Jesus Christ, how bleak is this where we struggle to put together... So he has never won um, four games in a row as a Rangers manager. And I think that that tells very much a big story about where 
we can't get into that that you know we're on a good roll you know it, you know what what we're playing well it, it continues to build because there's always a stumbling block yeah there's the, we can't build momentum and and it's it's causing us, it's causing us problems transfer window closes soon uh, do you expect Rangers to do business? I won't even you know, insult you by saying, do you think we need to? We've covered that. Uh, do you think we will do any business before the window shuts? Um, I think so, because we, we mentioned earlier on, but I don't know, is, what did Dodo do? Did he shut his kettle or something? Or what's actually happened with him? Because he just seems to have fallen completely out of the picture. So potentially he may be off, that may free up some money. Um, we need to buy... Strikers and fullbacks. That's what we need to look at. We don't need to buy anything else. Get us through to the next transfer window. Um, for me, we, we do need to buy. Um, we made the point previously about how we've had some really, really bad transfer windows within the last two years. I don't think we have bought poorly this season, which sounds hypocritical when we've talked about Pena, because actually I think some of the players we've got, you know, there's definitely some talent in there. Oh, it's a better squad um, than it was last year, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But the thing is, though, that what I'm looking for here is actually, you know, let's buy some, some reliability. Let's actually buy some some uh, more domestic talent, whether it's Scottish or otherwise. But let's buy some domestic talent which can come in and, and as I say, do a bit of graft for us. It doesn't need to be all singing, all dancing. We don't have any more money with it. The board, in my opinion, have backed Kachinia in terms of being able to give him funds and support that over. Um, I would like us to do that before the end of the transfer window to set us up for the year rather than just live from now until uh, until January. But in actual fact, I would like us to be able to um, to focus very much so, especially on strikers right now. Well, it's not all bad news round Ibrox way because uh, you may be one of the lucky 200 who this Friday night will be attending the Loudon Tavern to see the second Heart and Hand live show. Uh, Cammy will be there. I will. Um, it will be 1,225% more uh, funnier and uplifting than this podcast. Yeah, and uh, your chances of scoring... Um, will be higher, believe it or not, um, because the, the, there are ladies there, which was a bit of a shock to me the last time. A lot of guys in beards. Them pints don't serve themselves, my friend. Uh, we need those wenches. A lot of guys, a lot of kind of guys, mid thirties with with beards and hipsters. Uh, hipsters yeah, I did, I did we do have it. a we do have a big hipster quota within our fan group. I think so. Do you notice that? Yeah, I, I think so, and I think it's because of the you know the, the intelligent level of debate mixed with the fact that even underneath the beard, you know they they, they still hate the the beggars as much as we do. So I think that we provide both, you know, where we can talk about oh you know Marco Martello Bielsa and uh, you know the your fullbacks moving into midfield, while at the same time you know that you're going to get a good sing song. So I mean it, it, it's got all of the elements. I think. Personally speaking, I think it's because a lot of them have opened up a book on when you're going to come out as a hoofter and they're now just waiting to see when they can collect. Cameron, I've had two marriages so far, you've had none. If there's, well, a, if give, there's a finger give, of give suspicion... That, that some time, my friend. If there's a finger of suspicion kicking about, I've had two already. Right? Not even 40 yet, I've had two. Fuck knows how yeah. many I'll end up with. Um, exactly. So, so I think so. You've tried, you've tried one side of the coin, David. Now it's time for the... 
uh, the finger to go in the other direction, shall we say? Nah, I don't know. But as I say, the, the, the jury's still out on you. Haven't even been, haven't even had a divorce yet by your age. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But um, to everyone who's who's turning up, uh, uh, the doors open to the Loudon. It's the Loudon Tavern, Ibrox. Just because people do ask that, is yes, it's the one at Ibrox Subway. Uh, doors open at six. You can expect to see us on about eight ish. Uh, we'll be on for about an hour and a half then we'll take a break and then we'll come back for a and a session so uh, lots and lots to talk about have your stuff ready um, loads of great stuff happening loads of great raffle prizes and uh, yeah I, I am looking forward to, to seeing you all there on Friday night uh, all the oh no he's got something to say go on no I was just going to say have we have we announced uh, Joe Miller reads Jack and Ori as the as a support act yet or are you doing that kind of big bang style as a last minute update I had a just as a, as a sort of bonus Joe, Joe Miller come, <laughs> Joe Miller comes on and tells stories about you know well obviously I invented ice hockey and uh, you know, before me there were no such things as vitamins um, but we've got that to look forward to but yeah looking uh, very much looking forward to seeing you all there Friday night names on the door you don't have tickets so names on the door if you are selling your ticket to someone tell them that you know, it'll be under your name or the original purchaser name and that's how they'll get in and bring the card that you uh, or at least have an email printed out saying that you bought the tickets from someone and uh, that's how you'll get in and get access all that it means for you to do then is to thank our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers to thank my guest the ever wonderful Mr Cameron James Bell David, it's a pleasure. I look forward to shaking you warmly by the hand on Friday night. Absolutely. And uh, from from me, I look forward to seeing you all on, on Friday night. The no-touching rule uh, still, still is in effect. And uh, remember that when I go, well, thanks for coming. That means the conversation's over. Let me go. <laughs> OK? So when I nod my hand, go, oh, well, well thanks for coming. It's, it's done. Let me go. I'm finished with you. Uh, my name's David Edgar, and I'll talk to you again later this week. Cheers. Bye. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Sports Social Podcast Network.